Hi, I'm Pat Basu, President and CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America and the host of Focus on Cancer. 2020 has been a very challenging year. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected all of us in so many ways. But here during the holidays, it's time to look for optimism, look for hope, and look for things that we can be grateful for. I'm grateful to bring to you a very special guest today, a patient named Eric, who's going to share his very uplifting, very inspiring story with you. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you for having me, Pat. I'm really glad to be here. Well, we're we're glad to have you here, and and uh, I just want to uh, you know dive into it. Um, like so many patients, your cancer, um, as, as I sometimes say, was was kind of lightning out of a out of a blue sky. Um, you know, you weren't expecting it. Uh, it wasn't sort of something that that was building up, but. Share share with us your uh, the story of of your diagnosis and 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 uh, the beginning of your uh, your battle with cancer. I was uh, 43 years old. I was a um, married father of three kids. I'm a police officer in Texas, and I was really doing well both personally and professionally. And uh, I just had a a pain in my lower back at one point. I thought I might have a kidney stone, so I ended up going to a doctor to have that checked out. You know, a series of tests were run, one thing led to another, and I was diagnosed with a pretty rare form of cancer and, and given somewhat of a grim diagnosis there right out of the gate. So it wasn't, um, it, it was a, for a 43 year old who otherwise was pretty healthy and active, it was quite a shock for me. Yeah, I, I am sure that it was. I, I, I know, again, as I said before, talking to, to so many patients, it is not like so many other healthcare issues that we deal with where we're generally this kind of a buildup. You go from one to two, two to three. Cancer, sadly, is one of those things where, you know, you're just oftentimes going along on a, you know, a, whatever, a Tuesday or Wednesday, and then something happens, you get that diagnosis. That's certainly the, the common story and I do agree with you most most types of kidney cancers would fall into the category of what we call uh, renal cell carcinoma or, or RCC uh, you know for listeners at home uh, that's usually the inner lining of the the tubules of the kidney that is that is what causes renal cell carcinoma and uh, not necessarily common but one of the the ways that that often presents might be you know blood in the urine or you know, a variety of other symptoms. But, but Eric, as you mentioned, squamous cell carcinoma uh, arises actually from the, 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 the squamous cells, which are um, really, the, you know, the, the skin cells, the epithelial lining. And, uh, and that not only portends a different diagnosis, but it does portend a different treatment. And, uh, and so t- tell, tell us about that. Well, I uh, went from my doctor that was local in San Antonio and decided to go to a bigger cancer center. Um, at the time, they could only find about 12 people who had ever been diagnosed with the squamous cell carcinoma of the kidney. And there was really not a protocol for how to treat it. So they started with a, a round of chemotherapy, which was unsuccessful. And from, from there, they didn't really know where to go. Um, I was told that I wasn't uh, a candidate for surgery and I was sent home at that point. And it was my wife who was very adamant that we not give up and continue to look for options. One thing led to another and she uh, found cancer treatment centers on, the, on, the, uh, on a Google search 
and ended up calling because she saw that she could call 24 hours a day. She ended up calling and having this very long hour and a half or so conversation uh, right out of the gate with the, with the CTCA rep. And she was just really impressed. Just she couldn't speak highly enough after that conversation. And she was the one that convinced me that it was worth coming to Phoenix and, and hearing what another set of doctors had to say about my diagnosis. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can certainly imagine how, uh, how you felt not only getting that diagnosis, but then, uh, you know, being, being told about limited, limited treatment options. And, and so often it is a, a loving family member, a caregiver that uh, is that warrior alongside of you. And it sounds like your wife uh, helped play that role of, of uh, researching options and, and, you know, leaving no stone no stone unturned. And, uh, and so, so what were you, uh, it sounds like you, you know, you talked to some large centers. What, what, what were you told um, in terms of your, your treatment options and, and, uh, and, and kind of how did, how did things progress from a, a treatment perspective? Well, when I left um, Texas, I was told I wasn't a candidate for surgery. There were some current concerns on where the cancer may have spread to. And, I was basically told that their main goal was keeping me comfortable because they didn't have a good option for how to treat the cancer. Uh, once again, we're talking about a cancer that didn't really have any protocols for doctors to follow. So when we came to CTCA in Phoenix, um, we, were, we were really blown away, not only by the medical care we received, but by the, the entire package of how we were treated as people of um, the support that we received. Uh, at that point, I had just finished some pretty heavy chemo. I was not I was feeling pretty poor, uh, but every single person we met, without any exceptions, completely exceeded our expectations. To this day, we still have friends we met back in 2014 when I came here for the first time, and, and they, they still remember me on a first-name basis, and I still speak to them every time I'm here. So it was a completely different uh, experience than anything we had expected. And then when we moved into the medical portion, um, the doctors you know, were willing to hear what I had to say and what I thought and what my goals were. And at the time, I, I had a three-year-old who's nine years old now, but you know, at the time, my goal was for my three-year-old to be, for, for me to be around long enough for him to remember me. If, if cancer was gonna ultimately be my demise, at least to push that off until my youngest son would have memories of me. That was really what my original goal was. And the doctors that I had said, well, if that's your goal, let's get to work on finding a way to make that happen. And they listened to my input and asked me questions. And uh, we came up with a treatment plan that was by no means guaranteed. But the mere fact that they were willing to, to try some things that would probably be considered outside the box really ultimately ended up saving my life. I'm glad to hear uh, that you uh, had that experience, that you felt that way. I, I often say that cancer is not just a disease of the body, but also of the mind. And and you need to look at the the patient and the human being holistically. You need to to not only fight this battle physically, but also emotionally and and spiritually um, with with the whole team. And so every every pat on the shoulder, every look in the eye, every we're going to get through this together. I think helps. And uh, just hearing your story, Eric, it's impossible for me not to be touched as a fellow human being, but as a fellow father. I have two older kids. I, um, 
right right now today they're 24 22 and, and nine years old but uh, and all of them were incredibly supportive during that time my three-year-old was the one I had focused on at the, that point more so because I really just wanted to have some time to develop some some memories with him and the team at CTCA what was so impressive was instead of just going to a hospital or a doctor's office where they give you a certain medication and say take this and let's see if it works that whole person experience was really what um, made an impression on us here because we had people that were concerned with um, how I slept and how I ate and um, how they could improve that quality of life so not only would I survive cancer but that I would actually thrive while I was going through that treatment so those were huge pluses that we experienced when we came here um, that were that were sometimes simple little things, but made a huge impact on me as a cancer patient that uh, I had not experienced anywhere else. Well, that's again, that's that's fantastic and and warms my heart. And uh, I actually have one of my children now is three years old, and so as you were sharing your story, I just you know impossible for me not to not to to relate to you and and think about that and um, and and just share your feeling of, of wanting to get get more time and and I love that you that that you have that fighting spirit that says uh you know uh, not today uh, to cancer and uh, you've you've done an incredible job of living life and thriving as uh, as you mentioned before I want to get into that in a moment before we go there you you certainly mentioned the the holistic aspect of care that was important to you but but ultimately, with a, a rare cancer type, uh, as you had with uh, squamous cell uh, uh, cancer of the kidneys, um, it does actually take really cutting edge, uh, you know, medical treatment and and a and a boldness to uh, to try new things. So, give us a sense of what the you know the medical treatment uh, was for um, for treating your cancer. Well, for me. Um... Previously, I'd been told I wasn't a surgical candidate, and when I got into some deeper discussions with my care team here at uh, CTCA in Phoenix, uh, I brought that topic up again. And you know, it was explained to me that typically what would be done in a situation for kidney cancer would be to remove that kidney, and you'd live with one kidney. And I asked, uh, "Can we do that?" And I was explained the the ramifications of of having that surgery and um, what the likely outcomes could be. Uh, the doctors were very honest with me, um, but at the same time, very supportive of the decisions that I was making. And so um, there was some concern about some spread uh, to some other areas of the body. But my thinking at the time was if, if taking out this um, cancerous kidney was going to buy me time, then I was willing to go through that surgery. So fast forward to the surgery, they they took out my left kidney, um, did some biopsies in other areas, and ultimately all the cancer was removed in that one surgery. And um, I was cancer-free at the beginning of 2015. So it, uh, it was really somewhat of a, a great story because I had been told I wasn't a candidate for surgery. And ultimately I ended up being a candidate not only for surgery, but a very, very successful surgery at that. And, you know, after, after I started my recovery, it, I put my foot on the gas and started living life um, with a kind of a renewed vigor to get things done that, that people don't often think of when they're 
in their 40s. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, I'm going to I'm going to go there when I retire. That's something we'll do down the road. We changed our whole perspective that if if it was possible for us to do something, we were going to we were going to have that experience and live that experience because you know, having cancer does make you realize that nothing's guaranteed and and so my last 6 years has really been um going back to my job and and continuing to um do the best I can for the the people that I serve in Texas and then as well taking the time to have those experiences with my family and travel and, and do some things that most people may push off till later in life. Well, I love to hear that. And uh, what a, what a great uh, perspective uh, you have on, on life. And, and in a moment, I want to ask you, you know, some of the advice that you give to, to other patients about that. But just as I hear your story I, again, you do have a, a very rare cancer, but at the same time, there's there's some common themes, Eric, that I hear. And, and as an advanced cancer center, we do obviously get a lot of patients who who come to us, uh, you know, for a second opinion, or you know, they've they've initiated care somewhere else. And and uh, and, and look, cancer care is a is a complex, uh, you know, probably the most complex area of medical uh, care whether it be a clinical trial or not a clinical trial where we're uh, just, you know, willing to um, at all costs, you know, give, give the patient, uh, you know, a fighting chance. Um, it, it just is amazing for me to be able to, to just sit in front of you here uh, on camera and, and hear it, hear it live from you. But before I get to, you know, some of the advice that you shared other patients, I'm, uh, I'm just so uh, enthralled by kind of your story of, of your son being, uh, being three at the time and now nine you mind sharing with me just over the last six years and with your perspective, just a, a story where um, you, you and he uh, bonded or did something that might've been fun that that's transpired over the last uh, few years that, uh, that you might not have otherwise been able to do. Oh, absolutely. And, and there's a ton of them to choose from. Um, one of the ones that I think is, is probably sticks out in my mind is when he was about five years old, he started martial arts and he's really excelled at it. And we've gone to some state and national tournaments that I've got to um, participate in and uh, supporting his his team as they travel and and uh, help, um, quote unquote, coach them through some of that stuff. And I remember even thinking being out on the floor with, you know, a couple hundred little kids that are doing Taekwondo you know, just a few years before I, I got wheeled into to Phoenix in a wheelchair because I was too weak to walk. And and thinking about those things, like now standing out here, helping these kids, you know, excel at what they love to do was something that I not only had uh, never dreamed that I would be able to do, but um, was really enjoying. And that was one of those bonding experiences that, that me and him enjoyed. And, and I've had those experiences with all my kids, with all three of my kids. We've done different things over the last six years uh, because you do look at life uh, through a different lens once you've once you've had cancer and, and especially once you've had a, a cancer that you didn't expect to survive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad that you have a, a long, long list of, of new memories uh, with, with all of your children and, and your community and, and for yourself that, uh, uh, that you've been able to um, uh, in, enjoy and, and participate in. And I certainly look forward to, to many, many more for you. As I mentioned before, you have such a, a great story and such a great perspective. What advice do you typically share with with other patients, given what you've been through and what you've learned? 
Well, based on what I do, um, I, I'm the police chief in the in the small suburb of San Antonio, Texas. And so when I went through my cancer experience, it was it was somewhat public. People knew I had cancer and, and I was okay with that. Um, but because of that now, when other friends and people who know me are diagnosed with cancer, they often have seen my successful recovery and come to me with questions. And I always tell them, don't be, if you're not happy with the if you're not happy with the plan that you were given or you're not comfortable with what you've been told, um, don't hesitate to get a second or a third opinion. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't discount your, your faith that you have in the doctor that you're talking to. But I think cancer treatment is changing month by month. There's things that are happening constantly in the field of cancer care. And there might be something out there that you just haven't been told about yet. And that's one of the reasons we really love to um, recommend CTCA to people. But wherever they go, make sure that they're comfortable with the team that's taking care of them because that is that is very vital. You have to have faith in those people that are taking care of you. Well, that's that's tremendous advice. It, it, it aligns with many of the things that I that I tell patients. Eric is is exactly that. I you know I like to say that a that an empowered patient. Uh, is is one of the most important parts of a healthy patient, and frankly, a healthy, uh, a better American healthcare system because because you know the human element of medical care is is so critical, and sometimes it gets lost. Sometimes people are treated as a number. Sometimes people are treated as robots, and sometimes unintentionally they're just sort of put on this conveyor belt where they're directed through the various nodes of the healthcare system, kind of one after another. Um, where a very well-intentioned uh, doctor might might be sending them on the way, but I tell patients ask every question. It's it's your life. It's you. If something isn't one hundred percent clear, uh, ask about it. And 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 we as physicians uh, w- would love to answer those questions. We owe you those answers. And, and sometimes when I give this advice, it's uh, you know people are sort of shocked. They say, "Well, well, I didn't I didn't know I could do that." Or as you said geez, I thought I might offend you at the exact opposite. You know, we, we want empowered patients who care uh, as much as we do about their health care. And, uh, and that's what, what makes such a great partnership. It's, it's actually been fulfilling to see. I think American healthcare has, has uh, evolved in a good way from one of more of a kind of a patriarchal model where I just tell and somebody does as opposed to one where where I, you know, give ideas and then you respond and then we, we, we come up with a care plan together. So um, I'm glad that, that you had that experience. And then similarly, uh, you, you know, the idea of an integrated care team, uh, the idea that, uh, you know, it's, as I mentioned before, it's not just the medical care, which is critical, but also the emotional, the spiritual, the, uh, the nutrition, the, the treatment of the side effects. Um, all of those are are tremendously tremendously valuable, not just to uh, fighting the cancer, but really to continuing that that battle, which can which can be a, a long battle, right? Oh, absolutely. One of the things that I struggled with when I first came to CTCA was I had gone through chemotherapy, and you know, chemotherapy affects everybody differently. For me, it never made me um, it never made me feel nauseous. It just took away my appetite completely. And I lost about 60 pounds in six weeks of chemotherapy. When I came to CTCA, that was one of the first things that was addressed was um, 
hey, we can give you something to help stimulate your appetite a little bit. And, and I remember, I can tell you where I was sitting in the lobby inside the front door of this hospital. I can tell you the bench I was sitting on when um, all of a sudden I had an appetite again and, and started going and, and having three meals a day. And what a huge impact that was for me at that time. People don't think a whole lot about things like that, but from going to where you might want to eat a meal every day or two to, to being hungry to eat three times a day, it was it was huge. And it was one component of my recovery that I think made it a lot easier because I was actually eating and wanting to eat. And I had a, I developed a, an appetite again, little things like that, um, that had never been, that had never been addressed previously when I had been treated. Uh, and, and I have, you know, there was a lot of those stories that happened. And it was that just like CTCA treats through surgery and chemo and radiation, but there's all these peripheral components that often go overlooked at other places that lend themselves to a patient actually living while they're getting treatment and not just existing. Absolutely. I, I talk to patients about this all the time, that it's the joys of life that when they're, when, when they disappear with something like cancer, it, it, boy, it makes those days seem like weeks or months. And, and it's, it's so critical. It's critical just for treating somebody as a human being, right? The, the goal is not only to add life to years, but to add, or to add years to life, but to add life to years. And at the same time, they're, they're really related. I, I sometimes talk to physicians about this topic and I, I show uh, survival curves and, and outcomes graphs, which is one of the things that we strive greatly for is the best treatment outcomes, the greatest survival. But I also point to another graph which shows our management of symptoms. And I say that these two graphs are related because in this battle against cancer, in that journey, the ability to treat a patient's side effects, to restore their appetite, to take away um, itching, pain, burning, or other, you know, side effects that they may be having. That's what enables a patient to want to keep going, want to keep fighting, want to keep up with their therapy. And, and speaking of which I, uh, we were chatting right before you started the show here. I, uh, you, you literally had a, had a procedure done, uh, this morning and, uh, it sounds like, uh, th that has gone well, but as I, as I see you there in one of our hospitals, it, uh, it certainly drives home the point, especially right now during the COVID pandemic, that a lot of patients are having their care disrupted. I'm not sure if you know this, but cancer diagnoses during this pandemic have decreased 30 to 35% because patients are not getting their screenings. They're not getting their, their therapy. Too much of the care is getting disrupted. And, uh, and, and in your case, uh, your, your case is very similar to many in the sense that 70 to 80% of our patients travel some significant distance to come to us, uh, many more than, you know, 100, 150 miles, a couple hundred miles, uh, you know, they, they drive uh, to, you know, to come see us. Uh, tell me, you know, what, what made you uh, decide to, uh, you know, to make that trip? Um, you know, it's not, not easy to, you know, to travel travel, uh, you know, a couple hundred miles to come see us? Well, I'll tell you that for me, um, it, it really parlayed from everything we've experienced along the whole journey. Once we came here in 2014, the treatment that we received, both the medical treatment and the personal treatment has been 
so um, beyond our expectations that it would be hard for us to go anywhere else at this point. Uh, I do still come back periodically for checkups and um, everything's gone well. And I could do that in San Antonio should I, if I had choose to do that. But uh, this is my second home now. I know the people here. I know the doctors here. I know people in the kitchen. I know janitorial staff. Uh, and this is, this is really my second home. And I don't say that as a, as a catchphrase. It, we are very comfortable in, in Phoenix and we will treat here as long as, uh, as long as we can and continue to come back for checkups. Now, the travel component, what I've said to many people who have come and talked to me about their cancer diagnosis is, uh, for, for most of us, we live in a suburban area and we have to drive to a metropolitan area to, to get the treatment that's required for cancer. And unfortunately, what I found out out of the gate was um, if you have to drive you know, 30 minutes to an hour to get to your doctor, you're probably going to have to make a second appointment for another doctor. And then there'll be a third doctor along the line that you have to see. And those appointments are going to be on different days and they're going to be maybe on different weeks. So uh, while, yes, I do travel to Phoenix to, to still be treated and go through follow-ups and checkups, um, I can do in one day or maybe two days what may take me three or four trips to uh, San Antonio or Houston to accomplish. So that's one of the things that people rarely think about that that everything at CTCA is under one roof. So I can walk in the door, I can have multiple appointments in one day and be done versus making multiple trips um, and having to take off of work or you know alter your schedule in some way. Uh, I can do it all in a relatively short period of time here. On top of that, uh, the travel department at CTCA is amazing and they make um, traveling here very easy. Um, so. So it's, it's a no-brainer for me. I will continue to be treated here. And I've had friends that have come in, and they've treated it both in Phoenix and other CTCA locations. And once they've made that first trip, they, I always hear the same thing. Now I understand what you're talking about. That is so easy to do, and they treat me so great that that's where we're going. And, and I have friends that live in Texas that go to the Chicago CTCA or the Tulsa CTCA, and it's uh, – it's the same story. Uh, I, I know that if they go to CTCA, they will be a CTCA patient because the care that they receive is just really second to none. And that doesn't that, that just goes beyond the medical care, the the um, you know, like I said, the travel department and all the other departments that that are peripheral to the medical care you're getting. They're all just so amazing. And, and I, it's not just me that has experienced that. It's it's other people I know. Yeah, no, there's no question. You know, it's it's hard enough. Uh, it's hard enough battling the disease inside your body that uh, we, we certainly like to try and uh, take other obstacles out of your way. But you, you bring up uh, some really good points in terms of of cancer care, the idea of of the non fragmented care, but but having everybody there. So you get all your appointments on the same day versus, you know, you see one doctor one one day, another doctor the next week. Uh, also, just the speed to to diagnosis and treatment. There's a there's just a real emotional comfort to the way things are designed to getting getting cancer diagnosed quickly, getting it treated comprehensively, and having it all done uh, at one time. Uh, obviously, you know you're you're here during this uh, this pandemic that has been on everybody's mind, um, and and we've done a lot to really really make sure we have um, incredible protections. Uh, for our patients and for our employees, 
at uh, at our hospitals. Given that you're there right now, uh, uh, what what have you have you? Hopefully, you've noticed some of those things. Uh, did you did you did you feel safe in terms of the things that we put in place to to protect you from COVID? Absolutely. Um, you know, as a patient, um, those are things I notice. As when I when I come here for an appointment, I get a COVID test done. I mean, they do it the second I pull up. They've got people at the doors taking temperatures and monitoring who's coming in and out of the building. I think the protocols that have taken place here probably um, as much as you can do in this time of COVID to keep everybody safe. But I think that uh, there's no fear once I'm in here of, of interacting with people because the way the, the appointments are laid out and the you know social distancing and just the entire method that they've put into place to keep people safe as they come into the CTCA facility really puts your mind at ease as a as a patient or as a caregiver. Well, terrific. We've certainly we've certainly tried tried to do that and and uh, and be a leader um, not just in in cancer care but in in reacting to you know, how we protect how we protect our patients and our and our employees during um, you know during this this challenging time. So. Um, well, with that, uh, you know, I know we talked earlier. Your your procedure went well. Just for our, for our audience, I know they've they've learned a lot. I've I've really enjoyed having you. Um, tell me just kind of an update on on how you're doing uh, with your you know cancer prognosis and and how you're feeling and and what what our doctors told you earlier today. Well, I feel great. Um, I've really returned to a hundred percent of doing what I did before. I'm I'm fairly active. I um, I still have no signs of, of cancer. The checkups I continue to come back and do and will continue to do, and hopefully I'll, I'll continue on this road that uh, I've started on of, of leading a healthy life once again. You know, we're, we're doing great. The family's all wonderful. And we really, what, what's very bizarre is most guys don't like going to doctors or seeing doctors. And we really look forward when we come back um, our doctors have just been great, as has the whole staff here. So we enjoy coming back to Phoenix and and visiting when we do and for checkups. And um, you know, I couldn't ask. There's nothing I could really ask for as far as a prognosis looking forward that could be any better. Um, you know, you never that could change. But as for the time being, everything's going wonderful. Fantastic. Well, that that warms my heart to hear as a. As a, as as a as a doctor speaking to a to a patient, as a one American to another, as a father uh, to to a fellow father, I am just so so grateful for uh, you and your story, uh, for you sharing that journey with us. Um, so glad to hear you've uh, despite despite that uh, that day when you got that diagnosis uh, six years ago that you've had a um, you know a, an, an incredibly successful battle that you've been able to log uh many many happy memories with your loved ones and uh, I, I look forward to you doing that for for years to come so so eric thank you so much for um for your courage thank you for sharing your story what a what an uplifting uh way uh to to have a show during the holidays here when so many of us are looking for inspiration and gratitude you've certainly provided it to me and i know to to many of our listeners so thank you Thank you for having me, Pat. It's been great to be here today.